0: It's July, I'm sorry,
1: January January.
2: We are the heirs of that first revolution Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America
0: has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history We are the heirs
3: of that first revolution Good, common sense and sound judgment of the American people
1: their essential love of justice
0: Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for January 26, 2020 I'm your host, David McLaughlin Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith Greetings
1: from Atlanta
0: And welcome Tim
3: Shiflett Good evening, sir
0: All right, uh, good to have you all on Um, This Sunday evening and in about 20 minutes We're going to have our um, South Carolina political expert Lachlan McIntosh come on the show And the Palmetto State has a lot going on So it's good to have Lachlan come on and tell us uh, Really about a myriad of things Uh, But until then we've got a number of topics to discuss And even though the impeachment trial is going on I think we ought to start in a different direction And um, we can kind of You know, talk about it in several different ways. After we got off the air last week, um, New York Times Weekly, which is a show on FX, uh, did a show where they showed interviews of the endorsement process about their interviews with their editorial board. And then at the end of the show, they made their endorsement, which ended up being a dual endorsement of Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. but it was a very interesting show with the interviews, and out of that, I guess you'd say, there's been some more polling data, and it's shown a change in the race. Um, Bernie Sanders, which had been dropping on the heels of his um, you know, statements that came out that he said uh, he didn't feel a woman could win the presidency in 2020, um, and then a kind of a, a dust-up with Elizabeth Warren, he had been dropping, and suddenly kind of unexplained… He's really rebounded to the polls, and the last several polls they've shown of Iowa, New Hampshire, and national polls have all shown him rising and or leading. Uh, Catherine, any explanation for this Bernie bounce?
1: I think there was a a lot of um, differing opinions about the dust-up in the – after the debate, I think some people were, um, I don't want to say offended, but uh, unhappy with Elizabeth Warren and the way she uh, wouldn't shake his hand and, you know, found that to be sort of unsportsmanlike. I, I disagree with that, but, but I mean, I think there was some uh, quite a bit of discussion about that. And then you know, Bernie's got a lot a, a really good ground game in Iowa, and you know he's very popular with a with a certain group of uh, voters, and I guess they just managed to hit them with the poll. You know, the thing about these polls is that they're just for that moment, and they mu- they just happen to find a lot of Bernie supporters in their poll, you know, it could change tomorrow. We don't know until, you know, we really don't know anything until people start to vote.
0: Yeah, you you, Catherine, you mentioned that um, people might not have liked how Elizabeth Warren reacted, but that doesn't seem like that would be the reason they would then support Bernie Sanders. I mean, there's other candidates in the race you could say, I didn't like what Bernie Sanders said. I didn't like how he handled it. I didn't like how Elizabeth Warren reacted, and now I'm going to support Candidate C. Um, insert
1: well, many think,
0: names in there. I think if
1: you, if you were, um, you know, if you are um, in a, you know, in agreement with a lot of the things that Elizabeth Warren stands for, you probably also have a lot of similarity with the things that Bernie Sanders stands for, and if you are on the fence between the two, and you were unhappy with the way that Elizabeth Warren uh, behaves, then you might become a Bernie Sanders supporter. Because they, you know, I think that that's been a topic of conversation throughout this primary season, that, that it seems like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders might be splitting that vote.
0: Possibly so. I guess if, if people, yeah, if people feel it's a binary choice that those are the two options, then then maybe that's how it comes down. Tim, I mean, I, and I texted all this when he made that statement. You know, I'd be like, well, I would think there's a lot of female, you know, women out there that are that hold office, that are running for office, that would have a more, you know, have a better chance and more electability than he does. So, to me, the electability argument is not necessarily a winning one for him. He should probably base his candidacy on something else. Um, What do you make of this, you know, Bernie Surge?
3: Well, very obviously, according to the polling and everything else that they can see out there, he is making his hay on Warren Um, she um, she she's fading by about the same number of points that he's picking up in some of the very newest um, polling like this poll here of Iowa brand new from New York Times He's up six points to 25%. She's down seven points to 15%. His rise is at the expense of her. Now, uh, he seems to be peaking at the right time and in a fractured field. When I say fractured field, the field is fractured among moderates who are right behind um, Sanders, and none of them have been—they've they, stagnated. Um uh, 51% of democrats think that elizabeth warren can beat trump. I believe right there is why she is fading because much larger percentages of uh voters think even bernie sanders can defeat Trump. I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's really what's going on in the most liberal voters are with Sanders. Uh, We've seen the polling. He gets uh, 40 percent of the voters under the age of 30. But when you get above the age of 65, he only gets 9 percent. Let's look at Biden uh, as the other candidate in this scenario here. Biden gets 32 percent of the 65 plus vote. And he only gets 10 percent of those under 30. So the most liberal voters and the youngest voters are coalescing around Bernie Sanders. Now, the question is, are they going to go out there and vote for him? Uh, This this Iowa thing is a lot different, guys. You know, they got the 15 percent threshold and polls are showing that a majority of, uh, say, Warren's voters, if she doesn't make it, they would actually go to Biden. Um, um, major, uh, overwhelming majority of Klobuchar's votes would go to Biden. Now, it, scratch your head on this one. If Sanders didn't make the fifteen percent threshold, the overwhelming majority of his voters would go to drumroll, Warren. I I I I got nothing. I, I mean, I, I got nothing there. I. You know, what do you think, David? Well,
0: I think a lot of his supporters are kind of just you know burn it down kind of voters. I mean, they just want to be the most rebellious they can be. And there is a, um, you know, a question of like what do you want to get done? And I think it may have been Rick Wilson or somebody else, one of these other Trumpers, and they were talking, you know, like, oh, how was your Republican? How could you ever support uh, Bernie Sanders? And he goes well because Bernie Sanders wouldn't, you know, uh, desecrate the Constitution and be a criminal. But then he'd never get anything done. He he would want an agenda that would never get through the Senate, would probably never even get through the House, and and you wouldn't get anything done. Well, if you're just a citizen of this country, you might actually want to get something done. And and that's and I think that's a, a key point to to say, like, you know. It's not all about you know D's and R's and red and blue. It's about actually making a better America for people, and you want to actually have things accomplished. And so, if you could get fifty percent of your agenda accomplished, it's much better than zero percent. Even if you liked the zero percent agenda that somebody proposed, um, Catherine, I'll ask you about another question. Bernie Sanders in that interview and other times he comes off as not very personally likable. Now obviously that shouldn't be the whole criterion mm. that, that you know the the most jovial person shouldn't automatically be uh president or win any office, but there is a likability factor that comes into politics. How much will that play in and hurt Bernie Sanders both in the primary and if he were the nominee in the general?
1: Yeah, see I um I I don't find him unlikable i you know he's kind of bombastic. he's sort of like your um your old well informed uncle who always has an opinion about something and i think I don't think that's uh unlikable I think it can be um annoying sometimes, but I think people might overlook that bombastic side of him because they agree with what he talks about. Um, How does that play? I mean, you've got the most unlikable character in history as president right now, so I don't know. Um, I, I I wouldn't uh, I, I kind of look I mean if he's the nominee I look forward to the debates between uh, Bernie Sanders and our current president um, if he were to get the nomination uh, but I don't I don't find it I mean I guess he has unlikable unlikable polling but I think it's uh, it's sort of a an acquired taste, maybe. Well, acquired
0: taste is probably not what what I think we'd want to try with a nominee, given that Donald Trump's whole strategy is: I know I'm unpopular; I'm going to have to make my opponent is is equally, if not more, unlikable than I am. I mean, that's what he wants. And so that tweet he sent out, you can tell: oh, they're going to steal it from Bernie. That's who he wants. He wants Bernie Sanders. His campaign wants Bernie Sanders. Um, Tim, let's just get into the birthday comment. You know He said his weakness would be, "I won't send you a birthday card. I won't tell you happy birthday." Now obviously, I don't think you know out of the three hundred million Americans, most of us aren't expecting the President of the United States to remember our birthday on a personal level, but this kind of sounds like people that he interacts with. he won't remember it. Um is that kind of a microcosm of his problem?
3: Yeah, it it could be. He comes across as a uh grouchy old man. I I've heard it, I've heard those exact three words said on television by commentators. Um and I just wonder if he passes the legendary beer test with the average voter. Um, I, you know, I I know he's a man of of of, of great talent. I I I realize that he wouldn't be where he is in politics if he if he weren't obviously. But I mean, he's seventy eight years old had a recent heart attack uh get used to the word socialist uh coming from all angles of the republican party piece of nominee uh get used to people making mention of the fact that he's you know never run in his life for any office he's attained as a democrat uh I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't picture a good outcome to the race if, if, if he is the nominee. I can't even picture his running mate. Can y'all? I, I don't know where he
0: goes with that. Um
3: yeah, because well, yeah, you know, I mean, somebody
0: has to work with
3: him. We <laughs> better start thinking about it. If he wins those first two races which he very well could, Uh, you know, he's got to be the front-runner for the nomination then unless he stopped, you know, in a state like South Carolina or on Super Tuesday or something like that. Uh,
0: Yeah, and it's kind of who who gets forced out um, and who goes out in what order because, you know, seemingly – this person hurts that person. Talking about – I want to stay with that uh, um, New York Times interview piece before we get into that, some other things. Um, but talking about some other candidates, we're talking about unlikable. Bernie Sanders came off in that, or at least I thought he did, and even the uh, some of the editorial board felt that. The person they liked the most on a personal level, they didn't endorse him. Was Andrew Yang, and then of course there was where he sang with the choir and wore the robe. And he's just—I mean, anytime he goes on TV, he just—I won't say telegenic because it's not just looks. It's just there's a there's a sense about him you just want to have him on more. Um, Catherine, can that translate into more votes as this field uh, narrows? Um,
1: I I don't know. I mean, he could be the the surprise. Uh you know third or fourth uh, winner in uh Iowa or new hampshire i i I agree with you I really enjoy hearing him talk. I find him very um you know at the risk of using this word way too much <clears throat> authentic and I think he's um he's very serious, but he's also uh lighthearted, which is a rare combination and difficult to convey, but I think he does a good job of that. He was good when he was on Bill Maher. He's been good on The View. Um, you know, people seem to be drawn to him, and I think that's why he is as popular as he is, um, but I don't know if he could, you know, really pick up enough votes to make a, you know, real. You know uh, chance at winning, but I do think he's a uh, compelling character, and <clears throat> I hope we hear from him more. Um, the one thing I want to say about that New York Times uh television
2: <clears throat>
1: show was that I thought it was very well edited I mean obviously those conversations were longer, there were more questions, and so well, I really enjoyed watching it, I don't know how much... Um, I mean, when they made their announcement, I was like, they did not. I mean, we didn't really see the, the reasons for why they chose who they chose. Because I don't think that we saw enough of Klobuchar or um, uh, Warren to see how they came to that conclusion. Even though it was very interesting... I just don't think it was complete.
0: Yeah, and you can go see like the – I don't know if you see the whole interview, but you can see a much longer interview. But then if they interviewed eight candidates, it's probably a, a good seven-hour investment
1: um, Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, investment I'm not really criticizing it. I'm not really criticizing yeah. it. I'm just saying that I think it's uh, – I mean I, I found it very interesting, um, but I did feel sort of like how did they – Reach this conclusion because yeah, I think I not thought I think they way. could have yeah,
0: the, the, the weekly is usually an hour show, and I thought they could have done a special hour and a half, two hour show and still been compelling I, I mean, I don't think it would have been like oh my goodness, like the debate oh, sometimes three it. hours may seem like too much <laughs> is what?
1: yeah, I would have watched it if it was longer I would have liked to have heard more it, from all of them
0: yeah, and they could have even left um, I believe they cut Tom starr out. They probably could have um, inserted, you know, five minutes at least back of him. Um, well, Tim, your thoughts on Andrew Yang and the the, the seeming likability factor.
3: He is I, – I, I mean, he, he looks like a fun guy. Like, like uh, you talk about passing the beer test – uh, that's the one you'd want to sit around and and just talk with, you know, just 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 have a good a good laugh with, uh, cause, uh, he seems like he'd really, really be a fun fella. Unfortunately, we're a week out from Iowa, and I yeah. know that forty percent or so of voters said they are open to voting for somebody else and have not quite hardcore settle on the first choice. We're a week out in Iowa and he is at three percent there in, in the New New York Times Siena poll, which is the newest one. Um I I, I mean he is running even with Steyer who really hasn't campaigned in Iowa. Uh, I I just I don't uh I, I I don't see where he can make any Meaningful inroads, even to get anywhere near fifteen percent. I just, I, I, I don't. Yeah,
0: I, and we will see. It's just, but he does have. It's kind of converse. We have a, the person that's maybe the prickliest leading the field uh, this week, and then the person that's most likable, you know, somewhere around I guess around fifth or something. Um, well, now I want to welcome in our guest the evening to discuss um, South Carolina politics, longtime contributor to the Kudzu Vine on the Palmetto State. Welcome back to the show, Lachlan McIntosh.
2: Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, great to have you. Well, um, let's kind of start the opposite way. I'm going to start off with a smaller race, and then we're going to kind of build up from there. Um, but sure. we had a guest on last week uh, from Red Racing Horses, a conservative um, more of a horse race site, uh, jackson Dar, and we were talking about competitive races, and he listed one of them at the top, Joe Cunningham's seat, the um, Charleston-based seat that had been Republican, but Joe Cunningham won it for the Democrats in 2016 – I'm sorry, 2018. So now he's going for reelection. Seemingly he would be a tougher candidate. How is his reelection looking?
2: Well, I think that Joe uh remains fairly popular in the district. He you know, he voted to impeach Trump, you know, which angered uh obviously the Republican side. It's still a Republican district. Um, it is definitely trending Democratic. Uh, you know, Joe was kind of a perfect storm. Sanford Trump took out Sanford for a far right winger. Um, the right winger, Katie Arrington was her name, Republican nominee two years ago was too extreme for the district. Joe fits the district like a glove, and, uh, and he won barely, um, but he did win uh, thanks to all those factors, including the trending Democratic uh, leaning toward into Charleston area. Um, but uh, it is going to be a tough reelection. He has been outstanding in fundraisers and fundraising. He has been outstanding with staying connected with the district. And the probable nominee – Republican nominee is uh, running way off to the right, like they can't help themselves, even though it doesn't really fit this kind of district. Charleston is uh, – you know, and it, Jim Clyburn takes in some of Charleston, so uh, it's not whole here, um, but, it's, but the district is, is – whereas most Republicans like Trump, the, the kinds of Republicans who don't like Trump are the educated suburbanites – Moms, that those, that is this area, that is this district. So that's what's going on there. I, you know, I'd say that he's the re-election. Honestly, is about fifty-fifty. But I think he's doing everything right. I think that he's, uh, um, you know, really impressed a lot of people. And and, I, and it's a big, big deal. I think if uh, with redistricting coming up, I think if he can get re-elected, even though the Republicans will control redistricting, and there's a lot of speculation that they'll just have to give him that district. Uh, with the you know, South Carolina is not growing the way that North Carolina and Georgia is, but we is definitely growing, and it's definitely long-term trends are going Democratic. So they may have to shore up some other districts and just let Joe have it. So it's a critically important election, really.
0: Yes. Well, you're talking about the Republicans and they're they're nominating what probably will be a more right-wing candidate, which is seemingly what they do in every primary now. But is there a candidate in that Republican primary that if they were smart and they were handling it like a job interview and they could just pick the one that could run the best, is that candidate even in the race, or are they all running to see who can be the farthest right?
2: It seems to me that they're all running to to be furthest right. There's, There's one candidate, a state legislator named Nancy Mace, who will probably be the nominee. And she seems to have a pretty healthy lead in the polls from what I can tell on the Republican side, but she just can't contain herself i mean she's just you know she gets on Twitter and mimics the president and says crazy things and uh and it just isn't gonna play well and uh you know I don't understand i guess it's who she is you know and uh i certainly if uh, if I were her i would uh be running to the middle but, but considering she has weak Primary uh, challenge, but it just doesn't look like they're capable of doing that. I mean, I really do think they're all crazy. Yeah.
0: But that is seemingly what which we see more and more. There'll be two, three candidates, whatever, and the more educated, measured, thoughtful Republican candidate, even if their resume seems like they should be the one to win. They're toast. Uh, I mean, they just yeah, cannot yeah. win in those primaries these days. Sounds like I that's think that's ship, right, but and I think that's and probably her motivation.
2: On. Yeah, I think that's probably yes. part of her fear and motivation, just not to contradict Trump whatsoever. You know.
0: Yes. Well, we'll that'll be a race to watch. I'm going to pass it over to Catherine, who's going to take it a little broader than just one congressional district. Catherine, sure.
1: Hey, thanks for being on tonight. We really appreciate it. Um, I wanted to of course. Thanks for talk a little me. bit about the upcoming primary and mm-hmm. how sick are you of Bloomberg and Steyer ads? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Steyer ads, you know, Bloomberg has is, is skipping the four early states, but good gosh, you know, Steyer is everywhere. And essentially since, yeah. you know, they know how to, they know, they know, you know, nowadays digital advertising, of course, is so sophisticated, they, they can voter file match. So I can't turn on my laptop or my my Roku or anything without Tom Steyer coming in my in my life, and I'm very tired of it. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it. I was interviewed by the New York Times in yesterday's paper about his rise in South Carolina. I'm like, what do you expect? I mean, no one's ever spent this kind of money that I ever in South Carolina in the primary, and I mean the fact that he's barely in double digits. I mean, fine, you know, if that's worth it, he's literally spending a fortune. You know. And yeah. he's got I don't know hundreds, maybe thousands of people on his payroll. <laughs> I mean it's just nuts and do you think it's having any effect? And yeah, you know we've seen a little bit of a rise in the polls for him, and uh here, like I said, low, you know low ten percent or so, but i you know I, I do not see him at the end of the day being in the top three or anything like that. you know when the voting people actually vote and who are- who do you
1: think people are favoring is? Is Biden popular or you – know, Yeah, Biden's
2: been, Biden has been – Biden probably led in every by a large margin every poll I've seen in South Carolina. Now, I do think that uh, he's very popular with African-American voters, uh, popular moderates. I, I think that uh, he does have to win one of these early states or that could be in jeopardy. I think if he wins either Iowa or New Hampshire, he easily wins South Carolina. But if he loses both of those states, you know I think that things could change pretty fast usually how that works and
1: and who do you think uh benefits from if if that were to happen is it bernie yeah that's a good buddha judge
2: yeah yeah probably or you know who who went who who actually wins one of those states there's nobody really close to him in the polling in south carolina now so yeah it could be you know i think bernie has a pretty uh low ceiling uh here but uh yeah it's really wide open i would say if he stumbles badly in the first two states,
1: do you think that? Um, I don't think
2: it's going to be Steyer. It, I think it, you know it could be a Klobuchar if she wins. It could be, you know, it could be Pete. It could be Bernie. Uh, you know, but Warren may have a better better path. You know, it's uh, you know, with with no African American strong African American candidates in the race, that takes away something. You know, it would have been a really good opportunity yeah, for would... a Catherine Harris or a Cory Booker, but you know they didn't have enough funds to stay in.
1: So do you think that um, if Biden doesn't have some momentum coming into the Carolina. Harris, I'm sorry. It's okay.
2: What's that? We all no. remember Katherine no.
1: Harris. We don't want to talk about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know
2: where that came from. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> do you think that ha- will have an impact on turnout if Biden uh, doesn't do well in um, either or both Iowa and New Hampshire? Do you think once? South Carolina comes up you're going to see some uh, Voters who are just like oh well You know I was a Biden person maybe, but he's not
2: yes. Maybe Maybe but I think you're going to See record turnouts everywhere in our Primaries because of how Understandably upset we all are about What's going on with Trump and and, and The country my sense is Is that uh you know we're going to have a big Turnout probably the biggest maybe the biggest ever and some of that's because of and the population. Just one,
1: one more question that. about that. Do you think that um, the impeachment trial and the fact that, you know, four candidates can't, you know, be front and center in, uh, I mean, we don't know how long it's going to last, but um, at least for the next couple of weeks, they're sort of locked in the Senate, except. On the weekends, and I, I hear they're all flying to Iowa, you know, like as soon as they can. But do you think that might have an impact on the performance of, you know, Warren, Sanders, Klobuchar, uh, mm-hmm. and Bennett? Is Bennett even? Yeah,
2: you know, it, yeah, no, yeah, Bennett's been here, and I, I, I kind like of him a lot. But, running. Yeah, <laughs> I like him a lot, but he's not really on anybody's radar screen. Um, but you know it could. I think it'll probably, assuming the trial ends next week, I think it'll probably have more, much more effect on Iowa, you know, than it would here. Yeah. Um, it's certainly, no, you know, we certainly have less visits, but normally right before Iowa and New Hampshire, the candidates start to spend all their time there anyway. So yeah, probably not. Point.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pass it to Tim. He may have some more questions about the primary, but I know he has a bunch yeah. of other questions too. So
2: go for right. it,
3: Tim. Thanks, Bachlin. Thank you Good evening, Mr. McIntosh How are you, sir?
2: I am good, I'm good I hope you are as well
3: Oh, yeah Listen, uh, Jamie Harrison has raised a massive amount of dollars in his challenge to Lindsey Graham Mm Mm-hmm and, uh, Change Research poll now shows only like a 45, a 47 45 lead for Graham. But do we, what's your, what's your gut feeling? Do we really have
2: a race there? Well, it's going to be competitive. I mean, Jamie has proven himself to be an outstanding fundraiser and, uh, and you know, he has connections all over the country, and uh, they're deserved. And, you know, he was working extremely hard. At the end of the day, do I think Jamie's going to win? No, I don't. But I think that it is so important um, that for this country, you know, and not just the state, but for this country, that we throw everything we can at Lindsey Graham. His behavior is shameful and disgusting and anti American. And, uh, you know, he is just an awful person. And uh, he is very fortunate to be in a state like South Carolina, which a Democrat probably can't win a U.S. Senate race. But I think as I've talked about before on this show, South Carolina is Republican, but it's not Idaho Republican, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jamie could easily get 46 47 48% of the vote. And I think that's mm-hmm. very important that every point he gets that's close to 50 is sending a message to Lindsey and hopefully – I think power is all the man cares about and hopefully if he can start feeling threatened by democrats in his own state that he'll moderate his behavior which of course is just shameless and outrageous and uh and I just I hope that I hope that the fact that we probably can't beat him yet in South Carolina I hope that doesn't discourage you know people that want to give their extra change to you know certain candidates that they like because Jamie is a extremely good investment um to give yeah. money to and uh and he'll spend it wisely and uh and you know, you never know. Um, by the yeah. way, you know, you never know. This is, these are unprecedented times, and uh, you know, the, the the voter turnout could be different than we've ever seen it in November. You know.
3: So, um, is Graham in state helping or hurting his own electoral chances with his strong support
2: of Trump? Well, I think that, you know, I think the game that he's playing is, and Lindsey's always playing a game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't believe in anything, um, doesn't have any morals. Um, but uh, he's he thinks that, and he's probably correct, that South Carolina is is going to reelect him because it's a Republican state and a pro-Trump state, not by very large margins either, but both are the case. You know, he's just given up doing well in Charleston or doing well in Columbia, or doing well with college educated voters He just doesn't care, and yet you know the game that he's playing is that he believes that he's safe, but I think what he's got his eyes on is trump you know he he wants to get Trump through this impeachment and get trump reelected and and he just rises higher and higher and higher in trump world uh you mm-hmm. know trump he knows that Trump knows absolutely nothing about foreign policy trump doesn't you know has no clue, so he listens to Lindsay. And uh, and Lindsey's told people that's what he likes so much about this situation, and and it's just that he's so he's so powerful because Trump is such a void of knowledge, um, and Lindsay feels like he can get through to him. Or, I for a minute, really he's manipulating him in a lot of ways, but I think that's kind of what's going on. So he just, he I think what he what he's thinking is look I can act crazy, and just say these outrageous things in defense of Trump and being for Trump, and I won't get beat in South Carolina for it. And I think okay. that's what he's playing. Like. And that's what I was saying earlier. If we, you know, maybe he's probably right, but if Jamie could get 47, 48% of the vote on election day, I think that we, and with the South Carolina trending slowly Democratic, not as fast as, as our neighboring states, but maybe that'll calm him down a little bit because Lindsey's never going to want to leave the Senate. I mean, he's going to want to die in the Senate, right? I mean, that's his entire life. So it's not like, you know, Lindsey's going to say, well, I'm going to run for one more term. No, Lindsey's going to run until Lindsey doesn't have any air in his lungs, you know.
3: Mm. (laughs) Um, One more question. Um, It looks like South Carolina may get another congressional seat in the 2020 census, Um, which means that uh, you are rapidly gaining – Population in that state from outside the state. What types of voters are moving into South Carolina, and are they changing the political dynamic there?
2: Yes, I'd be surprised if we got another uh, another congressional district. I haven't seen that, and we are definitely growing fast. But uh-huh. it's very interesting to answer. It's very interesting to answer your question. It really depends on where these people are moving. The folks that are moving to Charleston area are much more moderate, um and uh and, and they're helping the Charleston, the whole low country area, the Joe Cunningham area trend blue. They're mm-hmm. uh they're uh they're 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 well to do financially. You have to be to live in Charleston these days, unfortunately. They're educated. Um and uh, and they're moving down in droves, and I'm, we're watching. We've got a lot of local legislative races in Charleston. I believe we could turn we turned two Charleston area state house districts blue in 2018. I think we might turn two or three more, state senate included, uh, this year. Um, so so yes, the ones moving to Charleston are uh, you know, and they're also in the middle age groups. You know, they're not they're not they're, they're not retirees. Um, now, in other parts of the state, for instance, Myrtle Beach um, or the Hilton Head area, where older people, retirees, are moving in, and Myrtle Beach area, which is not particularly expensive to live in, they're fixed income type retirees, and they're very conservative. So they're actually, you know, Myrtle Beach is, you know, 20 years ago, Myrtle Beach was kind of a swing area, in South Carolina. And now it's hard right wing, and, uh, and unfortunately the same is, the same can be said down in the Buford area. So it really depends on where they where move, because where they move, move kind of helps us know, you know, what their situation is. Uh, people moving to Charleston are younger. Raise, they want to raise their family out of the cold, you know, out of the bitter cold. They're uh, educated. You know, they're in the middle of their lives, and they're living. And, you know, in the Myrtle Beach area, you're talking about retirees that are buying condos know and uh, who just politically are very different.
3: All right. I thank you for that, Locklin, and we'll uh send it back over to David. David.
0: Yes. Well, uh Lachlan, I know that Tim asked about that Senate race, but I just wanted to follow up on that poll that was taken right at the end of the end of the year. Showed uh Lindsey Graham with a forty seven, forty five percent lead. Um, you know, the 47% number, that could come whether people are, know Lindsey Graham's upon it or not because that's kind of more of a, um, a temperature test on him. But the 45 for an, uh, a challenger uh, that's not, you know, like a statewide elected official running, how do you explain the fact that he got 45% such uh, so early in the
2: race? Yeah, you know, I'm not a big fan of – the change poll, um, you know, they have a lot of methods that I believe that are not tested yet. I don't use those in my races. Um, but I will say this, 45% is about what Democrats often get in South Carolina and statewide races. Um, so the the fact that, that, uh, that Jamie could finish at 45 or a couple of points higher is very, very realistic. I would like to see some more polling, which I have not seen to show where Lindsay is. Um, you know, there is always a – always has been you – know, when Lindsey was uh, following around John McCain like a puppy dog, you know, a lot of the hard right people didn't like him because of it, and there's all – I think there's still a little bit of that, no matter how – even though the, Trump is the person he follows around like a puppy dog these days, I still think there's a small group of right of hard right, right wingers who will never like or accept Lindsey Graham, and you can take that for what it's worth. There may be other reasons for that. So, the fact that he you know I'll give you an example uh, when he was reelected five years ago, almost six years ago, he hit the Democrat, and that was my race, did not have enough money to run a real campaign um, great candidate, but never was able to raise the funds to truly uh, uh get out there and make it a competitive race but But Lindsay was the bottom of the Republican ticket. He got like fifty one, fifty two 52 percent of the vote. My candidate got like forty. But but um, but the but that some of that was because he just – there was part of the right-wing extreme that just doesn't like him. There could be a little bit of that still left, <laughs> though he's never going to accept him. So it would be interesting to see if a libertarian or somebody to the right of him got on a smaller ballot, smaller party ballot, to see if they couldn't siphon off a couple of points from Lindsey, which could just make this race much closer. But – yeah, you know, I, I don't believe that Democrats can get fifty percent of the vote in a statewide race. We haven't done it since two thousand and six. Um, I just don't think we're there yet. But I'd be the happiest person in the world if I was wrong, and I'm going to do everything I can to help Jamie get elected.
0: Yeah, and one more question, and it's kind of a little bit different, and I didn't really necessarily prep you for it, but I think you can handle it. Is um, South Carolina's a state going all the way back to John C. Calhoun? And Strom Thurmond and um, Jim DeMint, really. They've always had a strong conservative lightning rod, someone that got a ton mm-hmm. of attention for the most conservative opinion going in America at the time. Um, now the Republicans have Lindsey Graham, who's kind of a, um, you know, follower. You know, you, you can tell yeah, he follows, right. like you said, John McCain. He follows Trump. He's just Whichever way the wind's blowing, it's a like windsock. And then you have Tim Scott, who is definitely not a conservative lightning rod. Um, do you right. think the South Carolina Republicans are kind of missing that now?
2: Uh, you know, I think Lindsey's trying to take that mantle, but like you said, he's not a, he may think that he is, but obviously he's a follower, as, as you just pointed out. And, uh, That is interesting. Yeah, we don't – there is nobody like that, and uh, I'd have to think on that a little bit. I I don't know. You know, the Republican Party these days are just followers, though. You know, I mean, they're all followers of Trump. Um, None of them are leading, so it kind of doesn't exist. An outspoken, independent-minded conservative, I don't know there are any anywhere. I mean, it's just follow Trump or die. You know, it seems to be their, their MO these days.
0: Yeah, and and, um, not another question, but there was a recent poll that showed like all these folks that were either in the Trump family, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, former you know governor uh, of South Carolina, but had been in the Trump administration. All these folks are polling really well, and the I think the highest non-Trump figure in that poll may have been um, Tim Scott. Um,
2: Was this uh, nationally? Yeah. It was
0: it was a national poll it had Don Jr. and Ivanka Trump and and you know they had polled for 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say they're getting ahead of themselves, no doubt. But it did show Tim Scott has like eight percent, which, uh, given all of the rest of the people in Trump land were soaking up most of the rest of the votes. It was kind of interesting that he um, was you know that high, and he's obviously you know since he actually spoke out against him. Um, for charlotte's well, he's not directly in the orbit
2: yeah, yeah that is he has spoken out against trump a couple of times which has been very in a sincere genuine way just not enough i mean i was just sickened to see him standing behind one of the republican senators yesterday um just you know talking nonsense about the impeachment proceedings and he wasn't saying anything but just him standing there is disappointing i just i feel like obviously all the republican senators are Not doing their constitutional duty right now, and it's very disturbing and uh, upsetting. I wanted to point out one thing before we move on. Go ahead. I I wanted to mention one other race that's not on anybody's uh, radar, and that is the 2nd Congressional District of South Carolina, and that is Joe Wilson, the ULI congressman from long ago, um, who's just terrible, um, and obviously a Trump sycophant is, is as clearly, but there is a wonderful candidate, a Democratic candidate in that district, and I've, I'm not, I'm not involved in her race at all. I've never even met her. Her name is Adair Burroughs. Website A D A I R for Congress, AdairforCongress.com. She is raising tons of money and impressing everybody. Um, that district is tough as it can be, um, but uh, it's it, she is doing everything right, and I was hoping folks could take a look at her. And if they liked her, maybe send her a few dollars because she is impressive. And it goes back to the same thing about Lindsey. You know, even if we can't beat her, beat him, Joe Wilson or Lindsey, you know, scaring the hell out of them means something. They know that there's checks and balances. I hope people can check her out too.
0: Yes, well, thank you for alertness to that. And you know what? The way South Carolina is going and there's so many races, that I think will continue to be important even after the Democratic primary there. I'm sure you'll be on again in 2020, and if her race heats up even further, you can go deeper into it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, um, speaking of websites and social media, before you leave, tell folks where they can um, read some of your writings or thoughts.
2: Well, I kind of rage tweet most of the time these days. Um, But uh, it is – my Twitter handle is at Lachlan McIntosh, and that's L-A-C-H-L-A-N-M-C-I-N-T-O-S-H. So if you like tweets about – angry about Trump and the Republicans or about college sports, you'll enjoy my Twitter feed.
0: Yes, and I guess with Clemson football season over, it'll change a little bit of complexion
2: there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm taking a little break from that, letting that rest. Hello?
3: Well, we must have lost David, Lockley, I'm back. So
2: I, I, I can hear you now. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Who we lost, apparently, is David, who was talking to you. That happens sometimes on live radio. So we're just going to uh, close the segment out here and say goodbye to you and thank you for being on with us again.
2: Absolutely. enjoyed it anytime.
3: All right. Good night, sir.
2: All right. Good night. Thank you.
3: Hmm. Um, Catherine, are you with me? Okay. Apparently, no one is on ex- except for me right now, folks. So. Um, I'm on. There you are, Catherine. Um, we just said I goodbye. Been muted. Yeah, we just said goodbye to Lachlan, and we lost David. Indiana. Yeah, I w-
1: Yeah, I was. Um I could hear you, I just had my phone on mute, so that um I didn't interrupt anybody, but, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what happened to David,
3: yeah, but while David is not with us, what we'll do now is move over for some thoughts on the impeachment uh trial that's been going on uh, um, we know that the how it's played out, but I was wondering. Of what your thoughts are on it and where you think it's going.
1: Well, it's going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to, I don't think they're going to dismiss it. I think they're just, they're going to vote and he's going to be exonerated. Um, Uh huh. But, uh, I, and I, honestly, I can't, uh, I mean, I'm working during most of it, so I can't, uh, watch or listen during the day. And then I just can't take it. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I check in Like I watched the morning show today And got, you know, some You know, some opinions And some information um, I just, I think the um, You know, of course I'm not going to like The way the Republicans are handling it But I do think it's so interesting That there's no denial Of anything It's just, uh, you know A challenge to the process Which is uh, I just think Uh, A weak um, argument they're weak arguments for and uh, seem to avoid the whole idea of what impeachment is about so it's disappointing to see these Republicans stand up and talk about you know the minutia of the process instead of talking about um, whether what he did was right or wrong and uh, mm-hmm. I I just find that um, it's just disappointing to me. Mm. Seems yeah, Tim, I'm back. If... Spirit. Oh, David's back.
0: Hello. <laughs> yeah, I dialed in on another line. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to jump in mainly to kind of just let you know that I'm back. And and I'll echo what Catherine said. It's so sad that you know the Democrats laid a case, and it's not being evaluated as you know, it, are there merits there? It's just like, it wouldn't matter. Um, and then, of course, I think one of the key things is, you know, what does someone like Susan Collins do out of this? Um, mm-hmm. Tim, what do you think? Uh,
3: from what I've seen, and I have seen quite a lot of this thing. I, I saw the entire first two days. Uh, I was on the road the third day and didn't get a, to see a lot of it. And I saw the... Uh, Two hours yesterday, Um, I I, I predict it's going to be over this week. The the Republicans uh, basically are saying two things: none of this is true. Trump did nothing, and Democrats are trying to steal the 2020 election, and they just basically are grasping at straws. McConnell's not going to allow witnesses or documents. I in my heart of hearts, never thought that he would. Uh, I believe now the Democrats uh, will not get any Republican votes on uh, allowing witnesses or our documents. They maybe get Romney, maybe get one, but... So so then when they vote all that down they're they're gonna have a, a quick vote to um acquit and uh then for the State of the Union speech Trump takes a victory. lap. bottom line, Trump wins. And that sounds sad to say all of that, but I I, I don't know what else to say after seeing all of that.
0: Well, and and let's get into the politics of it. Okay, let's say the trial, you know, really drug out, and then you know so some uh, Republicans want to see evidence, and then of course maybe a Mitt Romney or or just try to save her skin, a uh, Susan Collins, um, you know, voted convict, but he still eked out a um, you know, fifty one fi forty nine victory or what have you. Um, that might play one way, but the fact that Republicans are just completely—you know—turn this into a sham, no evidence, doesn't that hurt Donald Trump and the Republicans in November, twenty twenty, Catherine?
1: No. I mean, would it my my help
0: them? I mean,
1: <laughs> I think it helps them because he can say he was exonerated, and it was a uh, witch hunt, which he loves to say. Well, but doesn't it make the. Well, I mean, and, and there's different groups.
0: I mean, there are – I mean, I know so much of politics now is there's hardcore right, there's hardcore left, and there's less middle. And, and I know that with the hardcore right, then, yes, they will be more emboldened. But he would, he will embolden the left, which that will kind of negate that. And then how will that play with what is left of the swing voters? I mean, they do exist. I mean, there are counties that went for Barack Obama and then went for Donald Trump. I mean, swing voters, they're still probably in the hundreds of thousands if there's not a million of them out there throughout the country. I mean, well, is I this suppose, not hurting with those voters?
1: I, I suppose it could. Um, it, it's going to depend a lot on what happens. Like, if this is over this week, then we've got a long time until the, until the election – and all kinds of things can happen. Um, if if our um, Democratic candidate dwells on the um, the impeachment um, issues, then maybe they'll they'll um, have an impact. But you know, I think you know what ha- if something happens with the economy or if we go to war. I mean, I think there's a lot of other things that could happen that could also have impact. I'm just, I I think that getting this over with as quickly as the GOP seems interested in doing is a good thing for Trump because it can be, he can still say he was exonerated, but people can, will sort of forget, you know, about all the frouhaha and it'll be, you know, oh, that was kind of nothing, you know, it didn't even last that long, you know? So I think, I mean, I, I, you know, there's so much that can happen between now and, uh, and November that, um, you know, it could have a little bit of an impact, but I'm not sure how much.
0: Okay, Tim, same vein of a question. Politically, what, how does this affect things?
3: Well, you know, I've come to the conclusion long ago that nothing affects Trump's hardcore base. Nothing. They're they're gonna be there, they're gonna vote for him, they don't care, they don't wanna hear it. Uh they they go to one or two news sources that that they agree with or that agrees with them and <laughs> you know, they're they're insulated and they they are going to vote for Trump no matter what, and and I've got to think the economy is going to help him. I've never seen a robust economy hurt an incumbent yet. Say so if, if it don't help him, it is certainly not go, going to hurt him. Uh, if it was a bad economy, of course it would. Uh, and then uh, a lot of other variables, as y'all have mentioned, uh, who the Democrats nominate. Um and are, are voters gonna be engaged as a result? We look at the numbers from twenty sixteen. We you we we've talked about that some this week. How uh the vote in uh, Wayne County in the Detroit area was down twenty percent among African Americans in a state where four and a half million people voted And Donald Trump won the state by 11,000 votes. we got to get our voters out to the polls. The vote was also depressed in the Philadelphia area, and it cost us that state by a a few tens of thousands of votes. The same thing happened in uh, Milwaukee and Madison. Among our core voters, we lost Wisconsin. Our voters were angry in 2018, guys. Angry voters always vote. You saw how they poured out. We have got to get those numbers back to 2012-type numbers. And if we do, we have a genuine chance to win, as polarized as this country is. We will hold our states if our voters come out. We should be able to pick up three or four other states with a, with a big chance to win the thing. If our voters come out, I don't see one of our states Donald Trump can win. Uh, but if our voters are, are, are still not coming out in numbers that they were, I don't see how we can break back through in places like the upper Midwest, how we can pull out Arizona, a state like Georgia, um, a state like Florida, North Carolina, those states are close, but we got to get our vote out there.
0: Yeah, and I think the electorate looks more like 2018. I think people might have thought, oh, well, you know, Hillary Clinton's got this one, um,
3: and they didn't say they had to
0: vote. This time, I think, the, and what happened in 2016, people know they have to turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least most will. So I, I think you'll uh, the the turnout the pattern will look more like that. Um, so that'll help. It is just kind of going into it. There'll be other dynamics and, you know, what do folks emphasize and what does the narrative of the race become and, and that's where the primaries and caucuses uh, you know, kind of as it fleshes out and we'll have time to discuss it, will kind of lead to let us know what that campaign is going to look like more and more each week Well, I, I, thanks again to Lachlan McIntosh for coming on the show And next week is Super Bowl Sunday So we will not be on live uh, We're going to go on a little early And we're excited because our scheduled guest is From Political Wire, Tegan Goddard So that show will have dropped within seven days from now But you can probably look forward about two or three days early Late during the work week But until then, been the Kudzu, Vaughn. Good night. Good night, night. y'all. Good night, everybody.